Welcome to Creative in Tech. Powered by Reed Speaker. Technology is constantly evolving, and the companies that adapt win. In this podcast, you'll hear from companies and thought leaders across various verticals who blend the art and science in one of the biggest growing spaces in technology, conversational AI. You'll hear how they're creating the touchtone experiences that will define the next generation of customer strategy. Join me, Carrie Roberts, your host for this podcast and the brand evangelist for North America at readspeaker.ai as we explore the intersection of creative and tech. Welcome to Creative and Tech, a podcast show powered by readspeaker.ai. I'm your host, Carrie Roberts, and I am the brand evangelist for North America at Read Speaker. And this show is all about highlighting the various brands and people and organizations that are creatively using one of the fastest growing spaces in technology, conversational AI. And in these next conversations, we're focusing a little bit more within the banking and finance industry and kind of how they're using this space to really improve their customer success experience and journey. And I am so thrilled again to have another fabulous person. She is a UI and BUI designer at Waterfield Technologies. Alana Cortez, welcome. So excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. So I want to talk a little bit about how you got into this because I was reading you came to kind of this conversational design space from a background in script writing and multimodal live performance design, which first off, I want to know what that is. <laughs> and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about you know, how you got into this space and why it's so important in conversational AI as a whole. My background is um, I, I got an MFA at CalArts, which is uh, known for being a design school, but uh, they're really into what I now realize is called multimodal design. Um, Really, what we were calling it then was more like, um, I don't know if we even had a term. It's just a combination of different things. It's visuals, it's uh, sound, it's writing, um, it's music sometimes. Um, and so I really got to experience what it is to put all of those things together in ways that really hadn't been seen before. A lot of projection, uh, video mapping. Uh, and so that has kind of led me into conversation design because uh, my background was in scripts. It's, so that's how people speak as opposed to how they write. Um, and there is a really big difference between those two. Uh, and I, it's been really, it's been great to find a space where I get to use that ear for how people really speak, the pauses, uh, the um Sometimes they'll interrupt themselves, right? Uh, changes of thought, change in direction. Um, so that's that's my background. And uh, how did I find my way into conversation design? You know, I just really wanted to use those skills in ways that were challenging and really pertinent. And I think that's the most exciting thing about conversation design for me is it's the Wild West right now. It's... Uh, it's the beginning uh, of this whole other realm of technology, and it's really exciting to be on the ground floor of that. Yes, I, you know, I always said before about this kind of conversational AI piece. You do have a lot of people like yourself coming from a creative background, and I always love when we bring, you know, creative and artistic people into technology because it adds another layer and an important layer to everything we're doing. Because even though it's AI, there are people that are behind the scenes creating all of this. Before we get into kind of the details of conversational AI, you are working a little bit uh, on a variety of projects, but some of them 
within the banking and finance field. Can you talk from your perspective of what you're seeing in terms of the banking and financial space, what they're doing in terms of technology as a whole or in conversational AI, and maybe some of the trends that you've been seeing? Well, Waterfield Technology is a technology integration company. And the thing that I love about that is that there is a wide variety of projects that we get to work on. And some of them are, um, like, for instance, uh, just recently when we've been working on John Deere Financial. So that's like the financial arm of the, the, not just tractors, but of the the, um, equipment company. And uh, and I think like some of the trends that I've been seeing is, in terms of banking, I, IVR is in the past has been something that's considered really kind of um, difficult, right? Nobody wants to call and get the robot; they just want to speak to people. Um, and there was uh, this huge menu system, which could be um, really uh, going in circles. Everyone's had that experience, right, of going in circles and trying to get to someone, and you can't. Uh, and AI has really transformed that because now. People uh, get to say what they really mean as opposed to trying to guess the word they think the computer is waiting for. And that has really made it so much easier for us to cater to a, um, cater to individuals. And I think that's the, that's the trend with banks. It's um, how can we differentiate ourselves? And one of the ways that you can differentiate yourself is by having a really, um, specific understanding of your clients and conversation design allows that to happen, especially with the AI and the uh, natural language understanding, right? The computer starts to learn. Um, So it will know words that we didn't teach it eventually, which is to me is really exciting. Uh, You said something really great. You said, you know, this should be about what we are trying to say, what we're meaning to say versus what we think this kind of robot uh, needs us to say. Um, which you're right. I, there is a difference. <laughs> when we think of some of the like old IVRs like that are still around and you're like, okay, is it agent? Is it operator? Yes. Trying to figure out what that word is and how frustrating that is. But being able to create AI that understands the differences is important. Before we get into kind of these case studies, I'd love for you to really dive a little bit deeper into what conversational AI means. You know, when you're designing these conversations, how do you do that? What is the process? And why is this such an important piece versus some people that maybe just do this kind of plug and play and say, oh, well, I can handle it. Like, Why is the conversation designer such an important piece of this whole thing? Well, the conversation designer is really important because uh, I think there's, uh, you know, in the general population, there's this idea that AI is much smarter than I think it is at this point and that it is kind of omniscient. And that is not true. It's kind of like a child. You have to teach the child basic words in the beginning and context in order for it to begin to learn. And it will learn on its own. But, you know, you don't teach your child how to speak up to the age of three and then go, oh, well, good luck with that. You know, Um, (laughs) we don't need to teach it anymore. It's a constant uh, conversation. And I feel like, um, especially with conversation design, it's like it is a constant uh, and probably endless uh, uh, lesson in teaching more and more vocabulary. That's foundational for AI, for for conversation design. It's vocabulary and a dictionary creating that. And uh, and so that's what the conversation designer does. I spend a lot of time parsing through hundreds and hundreds of phrases and then breaking those down into 
eventually to an intent, right? But into the symbols that words are and trying to figure out what people are asking for, what are the patterns and what they are asking for, what are the patterns and what they want, um, and giving it uh, organization and context. Uh, and that is a very human endeavor. Uh, a computer is not going to know how to do that. Uh, so that's what a conversation designer does. I really think it's, I think of it as actually, it's very technical, but it's also a very poetic thing, right? I'm thinking about symbols and what they mean and uh, trying to find a meaning that will uh, connect with everyone else that's looking at those words or that's, that's speaking the words. Yeah, I, I think that's, I mean, I've always had a fascination with it. And I think that's why too, there's this, again, like you said, this creative poetic piece to it. And it's interesting because you do have, you know, different types of people where some people don't get AI and they say, okay, well, I don't want it to replace humans and it feels robotic, but it's actually being written by humans and it's never going to fully replace, but it should feel like it's a good experience to help either get you to the right person or kind of answer some of those basic questions. Can you kind of speak to that when somebody says, you know, I don't want this to replace, you know, the humans that we have on our team? Yes. Uh, you know, I think that in many ways, uh, conversational AI makes the experience more human because it is taking out um, all of the mindless kind of repetitive uh, acts, uh, tasks that used to go to humans and who and they'd have to sort it all out themselves and try and figure out how to escalate things, how to, how to take these uh, issues to someone. Um, sometimes it would go to the wrong person, but now we're able to get really tailored experiences for humans. And this helps the people who are working in the call centers as well, because by the time they get a phone call, they already have a history of what that person um, has called in about, what they've been talking about, what they want. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's, it's better for everyone all around, um, because, uh, the person who's calling in, the customer is getting a much more human experience. They feel like they're being listened to, they're being heard. And, uh, I really believe that the fundamental need of the human is to, is to feel heard. And then yes. the, mm-hmm, and, and the person <laughs> at the, at the call center is, uh, getting to have uh, very specific uh, issues that come up instead of having to screen a lot of really repetitive tasks, which what was that's what was happening before, and that's why it could be really exhausting. I uh, yes, I love that. Um, I always say that you know we as human beings always want to feel heard, seen, cared for, to know we matter, and it's interesting how conversational AI helps with that. Because as you were saying that, I was just thinking, how many times have I gone through a system that isn't using conversational AI? And it's either kind of this like static IVR or it's a person. I spend all this time giving information. They transfer me and I've got to say it again. again. And they transfer me, I've got to say it again. You're like, oh my, like, how is this not <laughs> automated? What is happening? But as you're talking, you're saying, okay, the conversational AI can not only interact, but take this information and transport it to the proper person when it escalates. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we can see the whole history of times that they've called before. Uh, and so it starts to become, you know, layers. Uh, there's like a layered experience that the customer has. Um, and I think that that's really where we're going in terms of like, for, for instance, like banking, that, that's where we're going. Uh, tailored experiences. That's what differentiates uh, companies that are going to be able to go into the future and companies that are going to be left behind. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, we are talking about the kind of banking and finance vertical for these next few conversations. And when you and I had connected, you had said, you know, as you just mentioned, we're working with John Deere and we're working with their financial department. So banking and financing doesn't always have to just be separate entities. It could be, okay, we have a large company, we have a huge finance department within our company. To whatever extent you can share, can you tell us a little bit about what the problem was or how you're kind of helping to solve? Or if you can't specifically kind of give an example of overall how this could help in a financial kind of internal situation. Well, John Deere has come to Waterfield because they wanted to go from the old-fashioned IVR that we've been talking about with the menu system um, into something that was more AI. Uh, and that was um, really more rather than... Um, I think rather than thinking of it as like that, that whole menu system, it's more like a digital powerhouse is what they become. And so that's why they came uh, to us. And it's been really interesting to me because uh, some of the first uh, kind of phrases that I heard about John Deere's world is uh, conversations like uh, people calling in and asking for help. And it was really interesting to figure out all the different things that people call John Deere Financial for, because there's a whole lot of different things. You know, it could be um, financing, different kinds of financing uh, programs. It could be that they need help fixing their equipment. Uh, It could be that they need to figure out payment plans. Um, And so these are things that could become incredibly frustrating for people because it's a huge investment. And it's, uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of money, and and there's a lot of different programs. And so for me, like that's a great example of how that menu system that could get really frustrating really fast. And uh, and so that's why John Deere came to came to us. And it's been really interesting to hear all of the different uh, you know people from all over, not just the United States but Canada as well. Um, you know, listening to farmers, listening to people who buy all of these, uh, uh, you know, pieces of equipment and what they need. Uh, so it, I kind of feel like every time we have a different client, it's like a different world you go into and you really need to listen to them because nobody knows a business as well as the business itself. Um, they, they, they might not know how to design an IVR, but they're the ones that have all of the uh, information about their customers and their culture and um, and what has gone well for them and, and what they want to work on. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Again, you keep talking about customers want to be heard, but the client also wants to be heard and listened to. And really pulling in, you know, there's kind of this art and science uh, that comes to this type of technology because you are doing the research. You have to understand what it is they need, their lingo, all of that. And then you're saying, okay, well, how do we do this in a creative uh, and, and practical way that's going to work for them? For either that or any other uh, projects that you've worked on, what has been the feedback or data that's shown when people interact with conversational AI? I mean, is there is there any kind of thing showing where they notice the difference, where they feel better? Are we seeing money saved? What have you kind of noticed over time across any of the projects that you've worked on? There's definitely KPIs that can be built into that and that are always built into that. So they can, we can really tell uh, the difference between before and after. Um, but I do know that there's a lot of data out there that says like, uh, I think one is, for instance, like in the next three years, 70% of customers are going to replace actually going to the bank with talking to a voice assistant. And so that is a huge number. And 
uh, that's kind of what I meant where it's like, it's really imperative that companies start to take that seriously. Uh, and so we, we always take a look at, um, we, we, we always try to build KPIs into that system. Um, we know that there's general data, like what I just quoted, but um, every company is going to take a look at like how long the person stays, uh, you know, on the, on the phone. Um, how often do we have phone calls dropped? Uh, and those are like major ones right there. Um, how often are we able to solve the issue without having to escalate it to a, a human being? Um, and, and then, and if we do, then we take a look at that particular part of the design and think, okay, is, is like, is that understandable or is there something that we can add there? Is there something missing? Um, so it's, it's kind of like, it's a give and take. It's a conversation. <laughs> Ironically, it's a conversation, right? It's, uh, uh, the, the initial design is always going to take feeding later on down the line. Yeah. And I think that's an important piece because um, I remember talking to some people a couple of years ago that were like, okay, I'm going to create a voice skill, for example. And then they would do it and then just like leave it and never come back to it. And they would say, oh, it's not working. And it's like you you gave the example in the beginning. You wouldn't teach a young toddler how to speak and then just never talk to them again and hope they figure it out. There's a continuous learning cycle. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, about the importance of kind of looking at the data, updating the conversation? Like how often should an organization be doing that? And I don't know if you call it maintenance or what you would call it if they're working with an outside organization like what you guys do to keep that up, to make sure it's working as they'd like? Well, I, I think all good design, um, uh, for me, like uh, I came from UX and all good design comes from data. Uh, it And for me, like if you don't have that data, it's not UX design. Um, and so it's really, really important to observe what works instead of making assumptions or um, assuming that, um, you know, it should have worked and it didn't. and Oh, well, I guess it's the customer's problem or, or the company's or some, you know, there is something that can be addressed always with design and iteration is a huge part of that. Um, it's kind of like, like, you know, my background is in writing scripts. You, you will rewrite a script. Uh, I'm not kidding. There's probably about 75 to a hundred different drafts of that script that you're going to do before it starts to go into production. And it's the same thing with, um, design. Uh, and so, you know, in terms of like, uh, one of the things that we really focus on is making sure that people feel, uh, companies feel supported in that process. Um, and that the handoff is not some, is not like, uh, you know, Lord of the Flies where we just leave them, uh, in the, on the desert or in the island. And, uh, so that's, uh, the whole thing is kind of like a, a cyclical thing, you know, design iterates. That's basically the nature of it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Again, I love you bringing up the creative elements. I'm a dancer and it's a similar thing with choreography. You create something, but you have to adjust what makes more sense, what's smoother, what works better. Um, and like you said, conversation is, it's an art form and it every single interaction is different. You might think, okay, this is what our users want. And then you realize, actually, they're asking this and you have to adjust and change it. When it comes to things that kind of amplify the brand or enhance the customer experience with conversational AI, such as sonic branding, music, 
um, or like a TTS where we do a read speaker, we do a TTS and we do kind of these custom voices. Or if you have like multimodal and video and all these different things, how does that kind of enhance the experience and the brand in your opinion? That is such an interesting question because this kind of goes back to what I meant with the whole Wild West comment. Uh, there is this whole world that is just beginning to open up. Uh, there is so much to be learned and discovered. Um, things like you're saying, like a branded voice, specific voices that you know convey one thing as opposed to conveying another. Uh, is fascinating. And, uh, there's really not, I won't, I won't, uh, try and make anything up. The, the thing that excites me the most about, uh, conversation design is the fact that we don't know all of these answers yet. Um, it's something that we're beginning to discover. And, uh, and I, I'm a big fan of Cheryl Platts, the designer who, um, wrote a book about multimodal design. Basically, she thinks the future is multimodal design. And I tend to agree with her because humans really do, um, they, humans are multimodal. And uh, so design right now has kind of been kept like separate, like, you know, this is the, this is uh, the mobile uh, platform and this is uh, your desktop and this is, you know, IVR. And they're all treated as kind of separate. But in reality, humans are constantly moving back and forth between different modes of communication. Uh, although I, the first mode of communication, you know, that uh, humans really learn with is, uh, voice. It's, it's the, we have a very, very ancient history of telling stories to each other, um, that kind of define our reality together, um, using our voice. Uh, and we've only begun to tap into that in terms of design, uh, which is, is kind of crazy to think about that it's like the fundamental way we communicate and we've only begun to design for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the challenge can be, like you said, there's so many different ways people speak, there's different dialects, there's different, uh, intonations and different slang and, and all these different things, which make it interesting, but also make it something that, like you said, we have to constantly keep updating or keep working on. Um, I agree. The ability to have things that are multimodal, omni-channel, being able to kind of be everywhere, um, and have this full experience really will add to it. So it'll be exciting to see as brands do that now and kind of continue into the future. When we're talking here about banking and the financial space, do you have any tips uh, for them when it comes to designing conversation or ways to be thinking about how to implement this into their organization at all? I do know that there is kind of a disconnect in terms of cost right now. Um, larger companies are going to be able to successfully integrate voice uh, more easily right now than a smaller company. Um, and it is a commitment. Uh, going into voice is a commitment. It's a process and um, it's, a, it's a relationship. And so it's not going to be something that happens overnight. Um, but in terms of voice, I think I, the more that we can get specific about people, the better, because I think we've already gone into the huge, like huge companies that start to feel very impersonal. And we've had that happen for, uh, for quite a while. And I think that we're discovering that Humans, like I said, humans really want to feel that they are not just a number with, a, uh, with this company, that they don't know who they are. And so the more that a, a bank or a financial institution can cater to the individual needs and desires uh, of their clients, the more that their clients are going to feel like they can trust 
their 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 bank. And trust is such a huge part of customer loyalty. Um, there are a whole bunch of financial institutions. There's a whole bunch of, of everything at this point. You know, there's a lot of competition in many different uh, you know realms of business. And the thing that really makes people stand out is when uh, they people feel like they are. Um, like they're special to that company. They, they, their relationship means something. So I would say that banks really need to, especially with money, right? It's with money, things that are such basic uh, parts of our, uh, our security and our feeling, uh, our place in the world. This is something that I think is going to really separate the people, uh, the institutions that succeed and that don't. Uh, I, I feel like one of the number one jobs of a bank, right, is to make people feel that they can trust you. I love it. You know, as you're saying, I'm in my head, I'm like, yes, yes, all these comments <laughs> that you're saying. Um, you know, and, and I think what's interesting, again, with IVR, when we think about it initially, this was happening, but now we're seeing it more. I always say when we're doing a voice experience, it's generally one-to-one. And so, you know, before where we had IVR, where, you know, again, it's it's just kind of a a quick uh, recording or whatever, we don't know the frustration that the other person has. So now we're starting to get that feedback. And even though it's a large bank or financial institution, the question is, okay, how do we make someone when they're interacting with us one-on-one with our AI to feel a sense of trust, to feel a sense of loyalty, to feel like we care? Do you have any suggestions on that? Because you know you can't necessarily control that with a person either. You can try to do some training, but that can't guarantee their mood or their emotion for that day. Any thoughts on how to create that sense of trust for a large organization that's pushing out, but generally it's going to be a one-to-one interaction when they're interacting with the conversational AI? There's been a lot of research on this, on how you build trust. In general, Francis Frey has a really good um, presentation on it uh, that I've watched because uh, building trust into digital design is uh, it's important for a lot of different um, uh, you know, verticals. It's important for a lot of different verticals. And so, uh, Francis Bray talks about you build trust. There's, it's, it's, it's not uh, an abstract thing. It's, there's an actual formula for how you can get people to feel that they're trustworthy. And transparency is a big one. You need to, people need to feel like you are being transparent, you're being honest, uh, and giving them value is another way, um, to, to make them feel like they are being heard. And I think that, especially with banking, because of the nature of that business, transparency and value are two things that I think shouldn't be too difficult uh, to, I mean, value is built right into banking, right? Um, But transparency is really important as well. Um, People have to feel like they can believe what you say. And even when you make a mistake, if you're willing to own a mistake, uh, especially like in interpersonal relationships, right? Like that's how you know you can trust someone that they are able to admit when they have maybe messed up or not chosen the right thing or, oh, you know what? You're right. Uh, that part of our, our design uh, doesn't seem to be getting the effect that we thought it was going to. Uh, that's on us. So I think that those two important two, two, two qualities are really important. It's transparency and value. That's customer centricity. Oh yeah. And everything you're talking about is like, Again, we think conversational AI, we think technology, but there is so much human component that goes into this and the building of this and the maintaining of this that I think sometimes is forgotten. So 
I thank you for bringing that to light and, and describing it so beautifully. If people want to learn more about anything we spoke about, where is the best place to do that to get more information? Well, if you're interested in Waterfield Technologies, it's www.waterfieldtechnologies.com. And I can be found on LinkedIn, Solana Cortez, um, because I, I, I'm really happy to talk about all of this stuff. This is really my passion now. Uh, I, I am... You're an evangelist. I feel very much like an evangelist for voice design. I'm, I feel like there is a, to be at the beginning of something like this. I've never been at the beginning of anything. <laughs> so it's like really exciting to me to be at the beginning of something like this that is so full of possibility. And I feel can, uh, you know, make people feel heard and seen. And, uh, and I, and I just want to say like, you're a dancer, right? Uh, as as I heard before, one of the things that I think that artists really uh, get into the arts for is they want to be able to connect and make people's lives better, right? And make them feel seen and heard. Um, and the difference between someone like a Martha Graham and an Isadora Duncan, right? In terms of voice, as you said, like the different voices and branding uh, is, is huge. So it's, to me, it's like, uh, even though there is... Um, I think the best art has a lot of technical uh, qualities to it. Uh, I don't think that they uh, go against each other. You know, like uh, I had all kinds of designers who knew all kinds of complicated software when I worked uh, in the arts and it's the same way now. So um, sorry to go on about that, but I really wanted to come back to what I'd, I'd been thinking about what you said of being a dancer. Um, there, I think at the heart of all great tech is the human is the human heart. Uh, and we should never forget that. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to anyone about that. I'm Alana Cortez. I'm LinkedIn and Waterfield Technologies. I love it. I'm personally very excited trying not to jump out of my chair with excitement because I agree so much of what you're saying. Um, again, this kind of mix of art and science and what we're doing. So I thank you so much for sharing your insight and your passion. And I certainly look forward to hearing more and anyone listening and watching can definitely reach out as well. So thank you so much. Carrie, thank you so much for doing this. It's been really awesome to watch this. Thank you. And if you are watching or listening, don't forget to subscribe to our Read Speaker AI YouTube channel for other live videos, as well as check out our audio podcast called Creative and Tech wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Creative and Tech. Want to learn more about conversational AI, text-to-speech, or be notified of our upcoming episodes and events? Learn more at readspeaker.ai.